0: welcome to this week's episode of the faith to go podcast your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family my name is david tremaine and i'm the minister of formation at good samaritan episcopal church in san diego california
1: and i'm charlotte pressler and i'm the youth missioner for the episcopal diocese of san diego and here we are together again david that's
0: right guess who's back back again Charlotte and David are back. If
1: only the audience knew how many musical references
0: we have before we start <laughs> recording. <laughs> Tell friend. Okay. Um, many. Numerous. More than one. Um, mm-hmm. is All ridiculous. ridiculous. We are here with you this week leading up to November 1st. Uh, we're going to be talking about All Saints Day. and This year we have the the particular joy of having All Saints on a Sunday morning, which is pretty cool. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about All Saints maybe later in the context part. Um, But before we do that, I'm going to ask Charlotte, as I did last time, and like I'm going to do this time, uh, if she would share with us to get our podcast here started, where, Charlotte, did you see God or feel God's presence in this last week?
1: Well, I'm actually going to go all the way back to last night, reaching far today, Mm. Um, because I had the most exceptionally powerful conversation last night and the kind of conversation that as you're having it, you can feel the emotion like behind your eyes mm-hmm. and that you're not crying, but you can feel just that level of emotion rising within you. Mm-hmm. And the conversation was almost entirely in the comments in the chat, um, which is really interesting. So last night at youth group, the final exercise that we did was... I shared a picture of the beach, and it was at sunset, and it was one of those days where the tide is really far out and the ground is really, really still, and so it makes it very reflective. Mm-hmm. So the, the sunset in the sky is reflected on the ground beneath you, mm-hmm. and there happened to be, like, a little sandpiper walking through it. So, like, just it was just this really picturesque mm-hmm. um picture to look at mm-hmm. and the invitation in the conversation was how would you describe what words would you use to describe God if you couldn't use any of the ones in the Bible mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. any plate any pronouns
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I'm gonna just read the chat for you this oh, okay. is my where I saw God
0: okay
1: comfort mm-hmm. the world constant, always there, Hmm. God is my rock, loving, whatever you need God to be, loyal, God knows, God knows the true me, surrounded by beauty, home, family, teacher, protector, there for you, Beauty, love, peace, embrace, good listener,
0: Hmm.
1: present in breaking of the bread and sharing a meal, powerful, when you stand on a cliff or mountaintop and get goosebumps, wind, gut instincts, more than anything we can imagine. Hmm.
0: That was nice. That was nice. Right? Yeah. Those, it's so nice. It, it like gives you a that kind of conversation gives you like a certain gives me like a feeling of like uh, openness and freedom in my in my gut, you know, like um all these pres- yeah. all this prescribed language for God is just, you know, just a sh- a shadow of the totality of how we can describe this ultimate reality, you know? So right. it's for, for each of right. us to and have that we limit language.
1: Yeah, we limit God yeah. when we limit the language.
0: Yeah. Open it up. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. <laughs> um, so we would, you know what we would love is to hear from you this week and specifically about your language you use to describe God. That would be really cool. If you would send us your descriptions of God or your names for God, we would love to hear that, um, how you conceptualize of God even in like a general mm-hmm. way. Um, you can also email us any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can uh, email us faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website where you'll also find all of the faith to go resources, um, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also contact us or follow us on Instagram at faith to go And so we are going to now transition into our gospel conversation. And we're going to talk about, like I said, the gospel for all saints day which in year a is matthew 5 1 through 12. charlotte is going to read it and then we'll each uh, highlight a point and then collaborate on a joint point
1: matthew 5 verses 1 through 12. when jesus saw the crowds he went up the mountain and after he sat down his disciples came to him then he began to speak and taught them saying For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before
0: you. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. I just want to say that the fact that in three years, four years maybe, of doing this podcast, that we've never used the term joint point to talk about the collaborative point is reprehensible. And I feel like like if we were part of some sort of podcast conglomerate, we would be fined in some way, just my guess. Um. Thankfully, we've stumbled on it today, and we'll remember it forevermore. Um, so, we are talking about the gospel, uh, a pretty famous one. I'm guessing you all have heard this one before: the Beatitudes or the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five. I just want to say a few things about um, all saints that we've. I'm sure we've said before. Um, but All Saints Day is actually part of a three-day triduum, which is uh, slightly repetitive since triduum means three days. Uh, it is a a kind of part of the church year that you could call All Hallows Tide or uh, this triduum of Halloween or All Hallows Eve and then All Saints Day or All Hallows Day and then... All Souls Day or, you know, the Feast of the Faithful Departed or All the Faithful Departed or however one you want to call that. There's this distinction being made between, like, canonized saints and everyone that's died. Um, this is also the time of Dia de los Muertos uh, that is a Mexican holiday. Yeah. So um, just remember that, like, what we're doing when we're doing Halloween, uh, All Saints, All Souls Day, this is, like, part of, like, a three-day uh, – Three consecutive day kind of like grouping of feast days, similar to you could think of it like um, the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of Holy Week. You know that is also a triduum. Um, so this is like a second triduum of the church year, and this triduum is focusing on death. And like it's it's good to name that we are talking about death here. We're talking about we're remembering people who have died remembering people who have entered and become part of that great cloud of witnesses that we have at our disposal, that we are part of. And we remember, we think about it like we have all Hallows Eve where we like look at this kind of like scary shadow side of our culture where we're scared of talking about death. You know, we dress up and we scare one another and we like live into this shadow, this like cultural shadow of the fear of death. And then we have all saints where we celebrate The lives of those people that we have beatified and that we have lifted up as exemplars of our faith. And then we remember everyone, all of our loved ones, every single person uh, that we've done uh, that we've that we've known and loved. Uh, The only other thing I'd say in context wise is that you as you might have guessed, we are departing from our kind of journey through the latter half of Matthew's gospel to go all the way back to chapter 5. We've been in chapter 21, 22 uh, and now, you know, Jesus was in Jerusalem and now we're going all the way back chapter 5, Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. He's just in chapter 4 called the disciples, begun, you know, healing people and teaching and then this is like his first this is like the first recorded words of Jesus teaching in Matthew's gospel. So, um, that's the context and That kind of is a transition into my point, because I think there's I think the context is almost a point in itself, uh, recognizing Mm -hmm. the content of what Jesus is saying here. Um, Matthew, Matthew is very specifically trying to, like, uh, create a parallelism between Jesus and Moses as bringers of the law and the commandments and teachers of the tradition. And in this story here, Jesus goes up on a mountain to teach this law. And we're supposed to be we're supposed to be thinking here about Moses going up on Mount Sinai to get the tablets. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of Matthew Matthew is not taking this teaching, this block of teaching lightly. You know, he's going or whoever wrote the Gospel of Matthew is, is going to great lengths to highlight how important this is going to be. That this is not just a nice conversation Jesus has on a mountain, but is like multiple chapters, a huge chunk of monologue really between Jesus and his disciples and Jesus and those gathered crowds. So this big block of teaching has been passed down obviously from when it happened with Jesus to when the gospel of Matthew was written. And it has been preserved very specifically in this way with these words. Um, And I think it's so, so Keeping that in mind, remembering how central this is, this is like the cornerstone of Jesus' teaching ministry, of Jesus reframing how people understand the kingdom of heaven, of his good news for uh, for the poor, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And it says a lot that the very first thing Jesus says, the beginning of this cornerstone of his teaching, the most important thing everyone has to know this is like the preface and the foreword and the introduction of jesus's book about the kingdom of heaven the thing you need to know is that these are the blessed ones in the kingdom of heaven Mm -hmm. and you have been taught something that is not true by the people who are your leaders right now that they are the ones that are blessed that it is the people that that have the greatest social standing that are the blessed ones it is the people that have that look like they've got it all together that are the blessed ones it's the people that tell you how spiritually deep and whole they are that are the blessed ones and he says actually let me tell you something different the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit those who are broken in spirit those who haven't figured it out that know that they never really will figure it out the, the kingdom of heaven is that journey of figuring it out. It is not the destination of someone who thinks they've already gotten there. And that is true of every single one of these beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who mourn, not those who are already comforted. Blessed are those who are grieving, not those who haven't ever had to deal with hardship. You know, and so he's turning upside down from the very beginning, from the first words that leave his mouth this paradigm of righteousness of blessedness of what it means to be socially and morally morally upstanding. This journey is not about you being perfect. It's not about you having it all together. It's not you ever really figuring it out. The kingdom of heaven is yours when you are on the way and you're always going to be on the way. So I just, I love that idea.
1: Well, and David, I have to say a I imagine, partially because I think I feel the same way all of these many years removed from it, that these words were exceptionally comforting and exceptionally confusing uh-huh. at the same time. Because these are people who live their entire lives feeling decidedly the opposite of blessed, uh-huh. right? That <laughs> they had suffered, um, they had been oppressed, um, and so for Jesus to stand up there and say you are blessed and the kingdom of heaven is for you uh-huh. was of tremendous mm-hmm. comfort and completely overwhelming and confusing at the same time. Right. And, and I think that we have to live into both of those realities because these really are upside down blessings, right? Like it is, it is the kingdom of God is so different than the kingdom that they were living in and is so different than the kingdom that we are living in. Mm-hmm. Um, the kingdom of God is vaster and more expansive and more inclusive um, than either of those realities. And I think that that is a really powerful thing for us to consider and to live into. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think that transitions into my point, yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah. which my point is about the fact that these are all blessings, right? Um, one of the exercises when I do Beatitudes with kids is we, highlight the key phrases in it. And they're not allowed to ever underline the word blessed because we know they're all blessings and blessed is said over and over and over again. And there's no underlining sentence glue, no is, does, ofs, right? So like, what are the key phrases in this really important message? And so then when you look at it, what you have is the who and the what. The who is blessed and what are they blessed with, right? And so we have poor in spirit, Kingdom of Heaven. Mourn, comforted, meek, inherit the earth. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, be filled. And when you look at it that way, that clarity of that picture of the whole that you have and what is going to go into it, that's a really powerful image, but it's also a call to action. Mm Because what you were saying in your first point relates decidedly to this part of my point, which is maybe we've gotten a little full of ourselves sometimes. Maybe we think we're doing it all right. Maybe we're not living the best version of ourselves. And so Jesus is saying in a lot of this, hey, you need to be merciful. Mm -hmm. You need Mm -hmm. to be a peacemaker. And by the way, when you need to be a peacemaker, that doesn't mean you need to sit quietly and not cause any ripples in the world. Right. Um, Because Mm -hmm. quiet and peace are not the same thing, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though sometimes we confuse those two things Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've learned if we've learned nothing else in this year of 2020, um, we have learned that being quiet is not a solution to problems. So in being a peacemaker, we are called to work for peace to advocate for those who have a smaller voice, to name things that are going wrong, to actually roll up our sleeves and do the things that affect change. Mm -hmm. Being a peacemaker is an active role. It is something that we have to work at every day. And I think that that's true of all of the Beatitudes, that when you look at them, it's a call to how to live your life Mm -hmm. so that you can be comforted, inherit the kingdom of heaven, you know, be filled, what a lovely image that is! Don't we all want to be filled with the gloriousness of God's mm-hmm. kingdom? Right. Um, and that's why we have to live into that action.
0: Right, and the the um, it's interesting because like he's it's also not like you get to pick which one you want to do and then not worry about any of the other ones. You know, it's like if you are <laughs> going to be a peacemaker, you also have to reconcile that peacemaking instinct with a. A thirst and hunger for righteousness, mm. and and for the and with the reality that you should expect to be persecuted for that righteousness, and that, well, that, that sounds fun, yes, yeah, and and that people will and that you will be challenged in your relationships because of this thirst for righteousness. And yet, part of that part of that righteousness isn't just about going out and creating and sowing discord, but so for the sake of peacemaking. You know, so it's like each one is kind of like they have to kind of they all kind of create a a ecosystem of the kingdom of heaven of that justice and equality and mercy and love of the kingdom of heaven that you can't just have one of them and throw the others away and say well I'm just going to be the one that thirsts and hungers for righteousness but I don't care about right. mercifulness I don't care about being pure of heart I don't care about peacemaking well that's not how it works you know like you you can't just pick and choose which of the beatitudes you decide are important and which ones are not they're all kind of a cohesive unit uh, that that hopefully guides us in the direction of the of the kingdom and not just the kingdom as we envision it but the kingdom as God envisions it and invites us to take part in in creating it.
1: Yeah. And I think that that brings us to our shared point, point three. Joint point. Um, (laughs) Which is this really painful language that Mm -hmm. comes at the end. Like you read it and you think, Jesus, I was with you all the way. And right now, I'm not so sure about what I've signed up for. Mm -hmm. Because what we get here at the end is, blessed are you when people revile you, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Right. How is that a blessing? Right. And and I think that as I struggle with that because I do think that sometimes we have to wrestle with and struggle with sections of scripture, right? We have to like really work at understanding them because there is nothing about that that really sounds like a blessing. Nobody wants to be reviled or persecuted. Or have evil things said about them falsely
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's that in when those things are happening that you know you're on the road right right, right. that that's when you know that you are walking with Jesus mm-hmm. because those things happen to Jesus they mm-hmm. happen to his disciples and if we are walking closely if we are listening carefully if we are actively pursuing these beatitudes and the other sections of scripture, then we also have to accept the fact that sometimes it's not going to go so well for mm-hmm.
0: us. Right. Yeah. And injustice and mm-hmm. unjust systems don't go quietly into the night, <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. they're just not, that's just not going to happen. And Jesus knew that and Jesus died because that's true. Um, mm-hmm. and he didn't, he didn't stop because that was true either you know, and, no. and so as much as it's, I think, I think there's that, that kind of like preparation for the fact that when you do, if you're really going to do this, you are going to meet resistance and frustration and anger, uh, people reviling and persecuting you. Yes. And, and doing so by uttering, uttering, like, what was it? Willfully misleading truths <laughs> about you, you know, yeah. like, um, mm-hmm. but there's also, I think it, an invitation here for us when we're on that journey when we're doing that work of justice to also be very much self-reflective and aware and maybe this is a little bit of just repeating the la- what I said in the last point but you know to be aware of where our intentions lie you know because there's also intention built into each of these actions like are you hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven or are you hungering and thir- thirsting for a sense of your own self-righteousness? Mm-hmm. And those are mm-hmm. two very different things. And you know maybe when the things that people are uttering against you are true or if they're intentionally misleading and false. Like are, the th- mm-hmm. are th- is the pushback that people are, are people pushing back in an untrue way just to, for the sake of tearing you down? Or is their critique legitimate? you know, and causing right. you to, to do some self-reflecting. So it's also kind of, again, like a corrective and inviting us to become aware of what our motivations are.
1: Yeah. And I think for me that's also a yes and because I think there's room in that to consider who we're traveling with, mm-hmm. right? Like Jesus traveled with his friends. The disciples were with him. Um, and so in those moments when we're feeling persecuted, um, or people are uttering false things against us, and we know that we're on the road. We know that we are really hungering and thirsting for righteousness, not because we're self-righteous, but because we see it and we're working towards it. That that's also the time to look for our companions on the road and to take comfort and strength from the people that are doing the work with us.
0: Um, Okay, so that was three points. Uh, Point number one um, was a... You know, leading from that context section, just being aware of how foundational this this whole block of teaching is, all of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and the fact that this is how Jesus opens that foundational cornerstone block of teaching, something to pay attention to. This is Jesus laying the foundation for what his message is going to be. So we can get kind of those foundational threads by by picking this apart. Charlotte's was next, and. That was about kind of this the paying attention to those action words, those action verbs that are that make up these beatitudes, and how we are called to action and self-reflection uh, as we go along this path. And that kind of led into our joint point, which was um, about you know people being uh, persecuting you and uttering all kinds of evil against you falsely, and um, just recognizing when that pushback comes that is an indication that we're on the right path, especially being aware of where the pushback is coming from, who is pushing back and how that pushback is happening. Jesus is highlighting. And then being open to critique, you know, being open to uh, a reflection on what our intentions are as we go along the way. Um, and and genuinely having like compassion and mercy, for the people that we are encountering along this journey, even if those are the people that are persecuting and uttering all kinds of evil against us, you know, which is hard. Um, mm-hmm. So having heard that discussion, uh, we would love to hear from you to see if you, you know, read through it again and see or hear anything that jumps out to you uh, from the gospel, these Beatitudes. Um we would love to hear from you uh, with any of that information, any questions or comments you have from your stories uh, or, or week of faith discussion. We uh, can email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can uh, contact us or follow us on Instagram at faith to go We would also love to hear about any kind of traditions or things that you do around the, the uh, All Hallow Tide Triduum. Halloween, All Saints, and All Souls. What does your community do? What is a practice that you, uh, you and your family do? And even if it's not at that time, like what are some what are some rituals you have around death? How do you remember people? Um, how do you memorialize people in your family in your context? So we would always love to hear from you. We'll be back next week, the week leading up to November eighth. And until then, you say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.